You are listening to a message from City Church of Richmond, located in Richmond, Virginia. We are a broken people, loved by God, continually restored by Christ, and sent out to worship God, serve our city, and work for its renewal. To learn more about City Church and to find out how to get connected to our community, visit our website at citychurchrva.com. That's C-I-T-Y-C-H-U-R-C-H-R-V-A.com. And thanks for listening. My name is Eric Bonkowski. I'm one of the pastors here at City Church. And before I get into today's message, I want to make one more announcement. And there's information about this in the worship guide. And actually, it's been in there for the last several weeks. But I wanted to draw particular attention to it uh, so that you know about it and that you can show up. Uh, In two weeks, on February 26th, we're going to have a congregational meeting here at City Church. And uh, I wanted to explain a little bit about what that is because uh, for many of you, you probably haven't experienced a congregational meeting at City Church or maybe at any church. Um, A lot of how City Church is set up in terms of our leadership structure is kind of like a representative democracy. What that means is that the leadership and the staff of the church make a lot of the day-to-day decisions. But there are certain decisions that the congregation as a whole makes, all the members of this church make. And specifically, those are decisions around who will lead and serve the church. So who will be the, the leaders of this church? And so a number of those leaders. And there are three particular aspects of that um, that will will handle. And the first is that we are going to give an opportunity for the congregation to call Harrison as an associate pastor of City Church. And you're like, wait a second, I thought Harrison already was a pastor of City Church. And he is. It's a little bit complicated. There are two ways you can be a pastor in our denomination. One is as an assistant pastor, where that pastor is hired by the session. The other is to be an associate or a a senior pastor, and that's where you're hired by the congregation. You're voted on by the congregation. So you all have had the chance to get to know Harrison and Brittany for the last four years of time he's been on staff here, or the last seven years they've been in Richmond. And this is now an opportunity for the congregation as a whole to say, yes, we want you to be our pastor moving forward. Um, So that's the first thing we'll vote on. The second thing we're going to vote on is we're going to vote on a candidate to be in a ruling elder at City Church. I want to ask Jeremy to come forward so you can see who he is and uh, know what he looks like, and you can harass him after the service if you want. So uh, 18 months ago, somewhere around there, um, we took nominations from you all for men to be elders of the church. And an elder um, is someone who cares for the, the spiritual direction and prays for the church. Currently, we have five ruling elders. Jeremy was nominated. He's been trained. He's been tested by the existing elders. And we think he would make a great ruling elder. So we are putting him before you, the congregation, to vote on whether you want him to be one of the leaders of the church. In your worship guide today, there's a great little piece of paper um, that Val wrote up that introduces Jeremy, and then there's some words from Jeremy explaining the the 15 years that he's been a part of this congregation and the ways that he's involved. Um, I wanted you to see his face so you know who you're voting for and so that if you have questions, you can talk to him after the service today or next week. Thanks, Jeremy. The last thing we're going to vote on at this congregational meeting, maybe the most exciting for all of you, is trustees. You're like, what is a trustee? 
Well, City Church has trustees, and trustees are uh, men and women who represent the church in civil matters. So it's like people who would be the signatories on a lease agreement or on a bank account, or if City Church ever held property in the future, they would be the ones who sign the deed. So legally, we're required to have these trustees to represent the church in kind of business affairs. Currently, we have one trustee, it's a, one of our deacons, Barrett Clark. We'd like to have two more um, just for, for the well-being of the church. And so George Davis, who's one of our current ruling elders, and Casey Hayes, who's a, um, a member of this church and a business owner in the area, are going to stand in nomination for trustee. That's where we're going to be invited to come to that meeting. Only members of the church will be allowed to vote. So um, we, we will make sure we have uh, the right number of members and we distinguish who's a member and who's just here to listen. And we'll do that immediately following the service next week. All right. If you have questions about that, talk to me, talk to Harrison, talk to anyone that you saw up front today. We'd love to tell you more about that. Today is the annual State of City Church sermon. And before we get into that message, I, um, I'm, I'm going to make a confession to you of one of my pet peeves. And I'm a little hesitant to share do this because I know some of you, and I realize that you're going to weaponize this against me in the future, but I'm, I'm going to share this pet peeve with you anyway. The pet peeve that I have is when I'm out and about in Richmond, and usually this happens with other pastors, not to throw them under the bus, but I just did, um, is when people come up to me and, you know, we're, we're sort of catching up. I haven't seen them in a few months. Maybe it's been three months or six months. And they look me square in the eye and they say, hey, Eric, how's city? How are things at city? You know, just say city church. How's City Church? It's one more syllable. I know you've got it in you. You can do it. Um, and, and I say this, I'm a little bit hypocritical because if I'm talking about another church in town, it's likely that I would just abbreviate it. I wouldn't include church on the end of it, but, you know, it's City Church. We, and, and from the beginning, we've always been clear to say, you know, we don't call it CCRVA. It's just City Church. It's easy. We can do it. So that's my pet peeve. I needed to get that off my chest. And the reason I had to get it off my chest is... Today, I want to answer that question. How's city? <laughs> this is, uh, thank you. This is our annual State of City Church sermon. And as Val put it, essentially this is, this is like a vibe check sermon. How are we doing? What's going on at the church? What has been going on and what are we looking forward to in the future? You know, probably about 10 or so years ago, I did the first one of these sermons. And then I did another one. And at that point, people came to expect it and or dread it, and so here we are. Uh, usually early in February, I give a message that's focused on the state of City Church. But we always anchor this message in God's Word, and I want to do the same thing today. We've been working our way through the book of Exodus, and we're going to read just a few verses from the book of Exodus to get into this topic of the state of City Church. I want to read Exodus chapter 2, verses 23 through 25, these words are printed in the worship guide. Follow along there. If you have a Bible, I encourage you to open your Bible and read along with God's word as I read this out loud. Here's what it says. During those many days, the king of Egypt died, and the people of Israel groaned because of their slavery, and they cried out for help. 
Their cry for rescue from slavery came up to God. And God heard their groaning. And God remembered his covenant with Abraham, with Isaac, and with Jacob. God saw, God saw the people of Israel. And God knew. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Would you please pray with me? Gracious Father in heaven, we acknowledge that the grass withers and the flower fades, but that the word of the Lord endures forever. Would your enduring word come and speak to us this afternoon? Help us to reflect on the life of this particular church and also to reflect on our particular lives, that you would draw us more closely to Jesus so that we would draw comfort from him and know better how to live our lives in faithfulness to him. We pray this all in Jesus' name, amen. So what is the state of City Church? Well, I think the state of City Church in many ways is similar to the state of the people of Israel as they found themselves in Egypt. And these verses that I just read at the end of Exodus 2 are a, a summary of where the people of God found themselves, enslaved to an Egyptian pharaoh, and as it says in verse 22, the people of Israel groaned because of their slavery. They were carrying heavy burdens. And when I started this sermon series four weeks ago, I preached a sermon about the heavy burdens of the people of Israel in Egypt, and it resonated with many of you. Several people came to the burdens that we carry in this life. You see, just like the people of Israel, we today at City Church groan under the heavy burden of slavery that we feel. And part of the state of City Church is that we acknowledge, we admit, we say out loud that we are a people who groan. One of the things that this church has become known for over the last 15 years is that we are willing to walk through the hardest things of life with each other. Not to say that uh, life is always good, that things are always going our way, but in fact, when they aren't going our way, that we have a community of people to walk with. That we will walk with each other through sickness and sadness. That we will walk with each other when we get new jobs or when we suffer from the insecurity of having no job. We will walk with each other when we're longing to be married. Or when we're drowning. Did I say it right? <laughs> drowning in the marriage we do have. Right? We will walk with each other when we want so badly to have our own children. And when we're wearied by the children that we do have. You see, just as the people of God in Egypt were groaning, so we too are groaning people. And notice what it says in verse 22, that they groaned because of their slavery. This is saying that they were living a life that was not the way it was supposed to be, not the way that God created. And so it is for us. There are ways that we live today in slavery, not to Egypt's king, but to the king of this world, to the devil, to Satan and his power. That we live in slavery to the forces that stem from the fall of Adam and Eve. 
that we have this corrupted nature within us that causes us to groan. We don't do it alone. We groan together. You see, this groaning, the groaning of Israel and the groaning that I'm talking about that's part of the state of city church is not mere complaining. No. It traces back to us groaning at sin, groaning at the brokenness that's all around us and even inside of us. It's groaning at the bondage we feel to the fall. But notice what the people of God do. They're groaning because of their slavery, but then it goes on to say, they cried out for help. They cried out for help. And their cry of rescue from slavery came up to God. You see, their groaning, their crying is directed to the God who hears. This isn't a mere yelp into the abyss into outer space, wondering, does someone hear me? It is the God who made this world, the God who made you and me. This is a cry, this groaning is a plea to a gracious Father, to a kind Father. Made me think a little bit of times when I was uh, sick as a kid. And, and you, you're so sick, you think you're going to die, and you don't have any strength, and you're lying there in bed. And, and I remember a few times crying out, and, and, and I didn't feel well, I didn't have much strength, and so I would muster all my strength, and I would, yeah, I would cry out, Mommy. And there's no way that she could hear that from downstairs doing whatever she was doing. But I still cried out anyway. And the only way that she could hear is if she was periodically coming and standing outside my door to see if I needed anything. That's what our cries to God are. It isn't this yelp into the abyss. It is the confident groan. It is a confident cry, knowing that our God is listening to us. What is the state of city church? Well, that we are a groaning people, groaning like the people of God in Egypt. But that's not the end of the story. What is the state of city church? The state of city church is also that we are tended to by God in the very same ways that the people of Israel and Egypt were attended to by God. And we're told some marvelous things about how God attends to his people in this passage. He hears, he remembers, he sees, and he knows. Follow the verbs in these three verses and you will see the character of God. A God who heard and remembered or another, tra- another way to translate that would be who took it to heart. When God heard it, it pressed down into his heart and he remembered his covenant. He remembered what he had promised to his people. These groaning people, he saw them and he knew. If you've been with us the past few weeks, you know that throughout Exodus chapters 1 and 2, there's a lot of talk about what's happening for the people of Israel. There's a lot of talk about Moses' development. And strikingly absent is talk about God. But what we see here at the end of chapter 2 is that all the way through, God has not been absent. He has been there in the shadows. God has been there all along, and so it is in your life, and so it is in my life, and so it is in the life of City Church. Even as we're groaning, God has been there all along. A God who hears and remembers and sees and knows. But for us, 
the state of City Church today, it's far better than it was even for the people of God in Egypt. It's far better for us because we're attended to by Jesus Christ. We have seen the fulfillment of all that God had promised in Jesus Christ. Through the life and death and resurrection of Jesus Christ, we have been heard and remembered and seen and known completely. And in the ministry of Jesus Christ, God has added more verbs to the verbs of Exodus 2. God has acted God has done, God has accomplished for us everything that is only hinted at in Exodus 2. You see, in Jesus Christ, our groans became his groans. He groaned for us. He replaced us. Our heavy burdens were cast on to Christ, and by his bearing these heavy burdens, we are rescued, we are delivered in our slavery Our bondage is no more. It goes still further if we follow this argument because the state of city church today is not just that we know a God who hears and remembers and sees and knows, not just that we remember a Jesus Christ who has heard us and remembered us and seen us and knows us, but we presently, this moment, are filled with the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit of God, who is actively applying all of this to us right now. And do you know what it says about the Holy Spirit in Romans chapter 8? It says that the Holy Spirit intercedes for us when we don't know what to pray with groans too deep for words. The Holy Spirit himself, right now, this moment, is groaning on our behalf. We, a groaning people, take great comfort from the fact that we are not alone in our groaning. But God has heard, God has acted, and God, through the Spirit, still is acting to hear us, to love us, to steady us as we walk. It says in verse 25, God saw the people of Israel, and God knew. This is the best M-dash in Scripture. If you're a fan of grammar, if that doesn't mean anything to you, you can use chat GPT to figure out what an M-dash is later today. God sees and God knows, and, and the chapter stops right there. You notice that there's no direct object for what does God know? Well, the answer, of course, is that God knows everything. God knows everything. God sees everything and God knows everything. God knows our groaning better than we know it ourselves. And God knows our future. God knows what is coming for us. You see, as the people of Israel groaned in Egypt, God knew of this shepherd named Moses that he had raised up to deliver them and rescue them through the Red Sea and take them to the promised land. God knew as well about his son Jesus that he would send to be an even greater rescuer than Moses. And for you today, in whatever desert you're wandering in, 
Whatever confusion and hurt and sadness is causing you to groan, God sees that and He knows. He knows the day that Christ will return to wipe every tear from your eye, to deliver you to the further shore, to the golden shore, where you will live forever with Christ. God sees and God knows. And that is the state of City Church, this groaning people who are also attended to by God, a loving Father. Well, I think when we bring these two things together, our groaning and God's grace, when we hold those two things together, our groaning and God's knowing, it produces maturing. And what is the state of City Church? It's that we're maturing. We're maturing as a people. My friend Shad was here last week and he preached a message that I hope many of you heard. We were talking after the service and he, he turned to me and he said, you know, Eric, it's been four years since I was last here and City Church has matured. And as I am wont to do, I kind of laughed it off. I said, yeah, we're four years older, four years grayer, four years reading Glassinger. But he wouldn't let me uh, kind of dismiss it with a laugh or a bad joke. He looked at me again and he said, no, Eric, City Church is maturing. You know, and sometimes we need an outside perspective to see that, don't we? Sometimes we need someone who hasn't been around to say, yeah, four years ago versus now, I see some things that are different. This was uh, obvious as well during COVID. We, we, we didn't meet together, or we couldn't meet, or we didn't meet as regularly, and people would come up, and they would see my family, and they would see the children next to me, and they're like, who are these people? They've grown so much. They've matured. And Shad was saying the same thing about the state of City Church. You know, it was reinforced as well recently for the women who went on the women's retreat, and the speaker, a friend of Meg Hayden's, her name's Ada, I think, and she said a couple of things that were along the same line. She encouraged the women. She exhorted the women and said, don't miss the gift of community that is present in this church. She said, something wonderful is happening here. You see, she's speaking about the state of City Church. She's saying, this is a church that's maturing in the way that they're able to groan about the sin and the hardship that they face and the way that they are able to own together the great promises of God's grace that he knows and that he sees. You see, that's what, we're grown, that's what we're maturing in. We're actually maturing in the way that we groan together, in the way that we cling to God's grace together, the way that we hold to his promise to us. Now, I realize that for some of you, you just got to City Church. And maybe this whole state of City Church sermon, you're like, this is a little, this is a little weird. I don't know what's going on here. And, and maybe for you, you don't have the perspective yet to see how the church is maturing, how this community has changed over the past three years or five years or 15 years. I get that. My encouragement to you would be to think about it like you're meeting a friend. You meet a, a new friend and you connect, and you hit it off. But if we're wise, we recognize that every person we meet, we're meeting at, say, chapter 7 of their life. And it's our responsibility and opportunity to ask them about chapters 1 through 6. So if you're new here, welcome. 
I'm glad you're here. I want you to know the ways that God is maturing us. But turn to the people around you. Turn to the people in your city group and ask them to tell you the stories of how we've gotten here. Because that's one of the things that we do as a family. That's one of the things we do as a community. We tell the stories of our groaning and God's grace. I was with some of my extended family yesterday for a funeral. And and, and we were celebrating my uncle's life. And the best part of it, the best part of, of those funeral receptions most of the time is when you start telling stories. His sons telling stories about how um, when, when they were young boys, he would take his uh, Chevy Malibu out to the ball field and drive with them uh, lying down on the hood of the car, holding on to where the hood meets the windshield, telling him to drive faster and faster. My cousin telling the story of how when he applied to go to uh, music school, he had to write an essay about the most influential musician in his life. And he thought of composers and he thought of um, bass players, but he settled on his dad. Right? The stories of groaning and the stories of grace are the stories that mature us. So listen. And tell each other these stories. It's one of the great things about the mentoring program that we have at City Church. It's one of the great things about Good Morning City Church, our daily podcast. Where you get to hear different voices of the church telling stories of groaning and grace. Some of you may know Good Morning City Church as Wake Up City Church. Or City Church This Morning, what was the other one? It goes by different names, it's unimportant. What's important are the stories that we tell one another because those are the stories that give voice to the state of City Church. So here's the last thing I want to say, the last way I want to answer this question of the state of City Church is I want us to look forward a little bit. You know, when you, you get in the car, you take a look in the rearview mirror to see what's behind you, but most of the time when you're driving, you're looking out the windshield, you're looking ahead. And it's true for a church as well. We, we do need to look behind us. We do need to see the ways that we're matured. But we also need to look to where, what we are maturing into, where we are headed. And there are two things that I think uh, God wants to mature City Church into. It has to do with prayer and it has to do with mission. As God's people first. Prayer, what that means is that we would be maturing in continual prayer that gives voice to our groaning and receives God's grace. I don't do a great job of this personally. And I don't do a great job of leading our church in this either. And it grieves me. As we read God's word, and especially as we read a passage like this from Exodus 2, we ought to be a people of prayer. That's what Israel was doing, in other words. When they were groaning, when they were crying out for help, what is that if not prayer? You see, the state of city church very much is tethered to the state of our praying. How are we doing at that? Are we maturing in continual dependence on God? And I think there's specific ways that we need to measure this and look for this. We have a prayer meeting, I 
twice a month at City Church. By, the, by September, I want 10 people to be at that prayer meeting. If you've never been, it's less than 10 currently. We ought to have 10 people from this church. We ought to have more than that. Meeting on Wednesday mornings to pray, to cry out to God, to groan, to bear one another's burdens, to walk through the hard things of life together. Here's another specific sign that we can use to measure our prayers. At the end of our service, I want to look over this sanctuary and not just see people uh, having conversations and catching up and talking about what they did this weekend. Yes, do that, absolutely. I also want to see uh, couples and triples with their heads bowed and a hand on the shoulder of their neighbor praying for one another, groaning to God together, calling down God's grace, reminding each other that God hears and He remembers and He sees and He knows. So prayer, that's one way that will measure the state of City Church moving forward. And the second is mission. We could call this a lot of different things, but, but essentially it means that we would be maturing as a people, specifically in our identity as a people who are seen by God and seen by others. That's essentially what I mean by mission, that we would understand First and foremost, that we are seen by God. This great promise that we learn from Exodus 2. God sees. God sees you today. Whatever it is you're carrying, whatever sin that you thought would keep you from coming through those doors, whatever shame is weighing you down, whatever guilt you are bearing, God sees it. He knows. And he's dealt with it in Jesus Christ. You are seen by God. Our little kids are great examples of this to us. I remember when my kids were, were little, even before school age, and they discovered some new skill, and they would say, Daddy, look at me. Cheer for me. We don't grow out of that, do we? We get more sophisticated in it. But we all are longing to be seen. And Exodus 2 promises us, God sees. He sees you. And if you're seen by God, it gives you a confidence. It gives you a security that then allows you to move out in mission of service and love to the world so that you would be seen by others too. And this is an area where we need to grow as a church. I think we're far better internally than we are externally. We're scared of what our neighbors and coworkers or family members will say if we take a stand for Jesus. If we tell them that... Our God sees us and knows us. We're afraid we might wilt under that pressure. But if we don't have that, we become a people who are out of balance. If all we do is get together and remind each other of God's grace, and we don't take that out into the world, we end up being like a, a person who goes to the gym and only works the right side of their body huge and muscular on one side and, and well, kind of looks like me on the other side. Right? We don't want to be those sorts of people or we, we end up looking kind of like the, uh, the, at, at nationals games, the, the presidents who run around the outfield. Really big brains filled with theology and filled with gospel but prone to topple over because we're all out of balance. Prayer and mission. Mission especially, 
and specifically that is demonstrated by regular events. I want by September City Church to have regular events that aren't a worship service, that aren't a small group of Christians, but you gathering with your neighbors, gathering with coworkers, so that you can tell them about Jesus Christ. It could take a lot of different forms, but that's part of our identity as the people of God. And the state of City Church depends on it. Us knowing and trusting that we are seen and known by God. And then allowing ourselves as God's people to be seen and known by the world. Let's pray. Gracious Father in heaven, we thank you for this simple passage of your word that offers so much comfort. We thank you that we can have confidence to groan under the weight of sin and under the weight of this world and the sorrows of this world that we wear, knowing that our cry is heard by you, a heavenly Father who delights in us, who sees us and who knows us. We thank you that in Christ, your Son, the fullness of our being seen and known has been realized, and that even now, by the power of your Holy Spirit, you are pressing these truths into our lives more deeply into the crevices of our hearts into the places where we doubt and are filled with unbelief may we become a people maturing every day filled with more dependent prayer and eager to be seen by the world not for our greatness but for the greatness of christ in us we pray this all in jesus name amen